This morning, Rick is teaching from Ephesians 3, 14 through 21. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all, than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Excellent. Um, today's passage is about love, and um, I want to do two things at the beginning. One is to tell you that Jesus loves you. Um, if no one has told you that today, know that. Jesus loves you. And I hope that when we leave here today, we'll have a little bit more firm or a little, little bit deeper understanding of what that means. That Jesus loves you. Um, to get us rolling, to think about love, I want to do a little trivia with you guys. You guys want to do some trivia this morning? Yeah. Thank you. Whoever said yeah, thank you. That was Aaron. Good job, Aaron. You do not. Well, you've seen all the answers, so. Um, okay. McAllister's, be quiet. Uh, so I'm going to put lyrics to a song up there, and you guys got to figure out what, who did the song. You guys know this one? Look at it. No, I'll, maybe I'll sing it later. There used to be a graying tower alone in the sea. You became the light on the dark side of me. Love remained a drug that's the high and not the pill. But did you know that when it snows, you're hearing it now, aren't you? There we go. That's right. Who is it? Do anybody know? Seal, that's right. Kiss from a rose, that's good. Hit that so you can all congratulate yourselves. There we go. The next one. You became. Yeah, there. <laughs> all right. Um, this one. This one's, uh, this one's for the younger crowd. I'm not going to read it to you. You got to read it yourself because I don't want to like give it away. No. Because I don't want to lose you now. I'm looking right at the other half of me. Yeah. Yeah. No, you guys don't, don't know it? Nope. The vacancy. Because I don't want to lose you now. I'm looking right at the other. Yeah. JT? Mirrors? No? No? JT. Justin Timberlake, for those of you. This is a, a little older, older one. Um, Norm, I'm leaning on you for this one. I said I love you, and that's forever. This I promise from the heart. I couldn't love you any better. The next line is the, is the name of the song. Nope. Nope. He's a piano player. Bingo. Just the way you are. You guys, oh, I'm, I'm really disappointed. I'm thoroughly disappointed. Thoroughly. All right, now we have... Uh, something from a movie about love. Can you guys know what this clip is? This quote is from. No, nope. Dead Poet Society. Well done. 
Well done. <laughs> um, poetry, beauty, romance, love, these are the things we stay alive for. Hit the next one. Hit the next one. There we go. You guys know this one? This was very sweet. Do you? You've got mail. That's right. You've got mail. And it's, and it's, that's classic. So, like, when this movie's on, if it's towards the end, I'm going to, like, tractor beam in just to wait to hear her say that because um, I'm a sap. Next one. There's one more. This one goes way back. Before any of us in this were born, I think this was out. It's a Wonderful Life. That's right. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> so you guys are all going to be hearing Jimmy Stewart in your head for the next few minutes. Um, this morning, I want us just to think about love. And, and we talked about just some goofy pop culture stuff because I think it gets our hearts and minds in this idea that, that we are, as a culture, pretty infatuated with love. Um, but I don't think we fully understand the, the depth of love. But this text is all about the love of Jesus that's initiating. You guys, um, you guys remember the, the video for Billie Jean? Um, every step, like when he's out on the sidewalk, every step that Michael takes, the, that square of the sidewalk lights up. Um, the love of Jesus is like that, and that it initiates and lights us up and then gives us the ability and opportunity to love. So this text is all about the love of Christ and how it has informed and lit up the love of Paul for the Ephesian church. And it's lit up the love of, of Paul for Jesus himself. And it's Paul's prayer here that the Ephesian church would be lit up by the love of Jesus to begin to love one another and also love Jesus deeply. But again, let me say to you, Jesus loves you. And he loves you with a love that compels you to love, a love that satisfies you. Like, think about all the pop culture's infatuation with art. We desperately want a love that's going to satisfy the depth of us. Jesus' love satisfies. It's also a love that changes, a love that sacrifices, and a love that gives. Um, in a sermon from this passage, Brian Chapman, who I've quoted a lot during this series, says this about Paul's love for these people and how love changes them and causes them to sacrifice and to give. You follow that? Brian Chappell's talking about how Paul's love and Jesus' love has changed these people to sacrifice and to give and, and, to, and to give their lives away. Paul has urged them, that is the Ephesian church, and by extension us, Paul is urging you to look beyond the boundaries of their culture and beyond the boundaries of their race and beyond the boundaries of their religion 
and recognize that God is building them together into a temple that brings witness to the love of God. I, I, I want that to just explode into our minds. I think that as a, as a culture, we can see these things, how love ought to push us outside of the boundaries of our culture. And I think that it, it ought to push us outside of the boundaries of our race. But are we comfortable if it pushes us outside of the boundaries of our religion? Do you know that what was happening here in this Ephesian church was that people didn't understand that people of different religions could come together around Christ. And Jesus is tearing at those boundaries, and Paul is poking at them as well. Remember, as we get into this passage here in just a second, that Paul is in prison, but last week we heard that Paul was in prison for Christ. He's not in prison because someone put him there. He's in prison for Christ, for the sake of the gospel. And here he prays. And this is an incredible prayer. And it's filled with humility and it's filled with love. Verse 14 is the touch of humility. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father. Um, parenthetically inserting here, one of the fundamental elemental keys to prayer is a posture, a mental, spiritual, soulful posture of humility. And Paul is humble here. Verse 15, and he proclaims who Jesus is, who God is, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you, so it's possible with him, he just needs to give it to you, to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. And then he starts talking about love. We're going to spend most of our time in verses 17 and 18. Verse 17, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love. At the start of this prayer, Paul is praying for the foundation of each individual. And I've, I've said this a lot throughout the series. Like this, Paul's writing here in Ephesians is, is designed to be written to the individual and at the same time written to the collective. And I, so I want you to see that as, like, personalize this prayer that Paul is uttering, but also make it collective as well. He's praying for you individually, and he's praying for us collectively. And at the heart of his prayer is this idea that Christ may dwell. Dwell is the Greek word that means two things. One, it's, it's a... It's a very specific instruction of where someone lives or where someone is settled. It's your address. It's a very specific place. The second piece is that it's a metaphor for the soul to pervade, to influence, or to prompt. So when this word is used in this context, it's dwelling. So the, the soul, your soul, your being, the thing that makes you who you are, the essence of you, might be pervaded by the love of Jesus. 
might be influenced by the love of Jesus, might be prompted by the love of Jesus. So when the love of Christ dwells in us, it's like Michael Jackson's feet and beat it, like he's lighting us up. And I, I want us to, to see that. Um, then let, let's, I think it's a good idea here to stop and pray. And um, here's my hope that some of you would not as much engage with my prayer, the words that are coming out of my mouth and through this microphone, but instead you would silently pray among yourselves to have Christ dwell in your heart. God, would you have Christ reside in us in such a way that we are influenced by him that his soul and his spirit and his love would pervade us and prompt us to go beyond the boundaries that our world creates and send us out to love and to sacrifice and to give and to satisfy and to change our cultures and our worlds because of what you have done in us, how you have loved us. God, may your love send us God, would you allow the love of your son Jesus to take up residence in our lives in such a deep way that we love like he loved. And that we are always constantly aware and sense his love of us for exactly who we are. God, I pray for confident souls and I pray for discouraged souls here in this room today and everyone in between on that spectrum, that we would know that Christ loves us for exactly who we are and not some future version of us, not some tomorrow version of us, but he loves us here and now. And God, would that change us? God, would that teach us to love those who seem repulsive to us? Thank you for Paul's prayer and thank you for the truth that your son does reside in us, dwell in us, to pervade and influence and prompt us. God, draw us close to your love today. In Christ's name, amen. Um, love that I'm saying here is the Greek word uh, that, that we've all known forever, agape love that it doesn't, it's, it's completely dependent upon Jesus and not at all dependent upon us. And about that love here, Matt Chandler says, I have seen the ugly parts of you and I choose to stay. Um, this is how Jesus loves you. He knows everything about you. He's seen everything about you, yet he loves you. The other words in this verse, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love. What does it mean to be rooted and grounded in love? Rooted is the Greek word that means to render firm, fixed, or established. Like the place that we start from, our base camp, our establishment. 
is a knowledge that Jesus loves us in such a way that's completely independent of anything that you are or do or anything, any, any person that you were or did or any person, anything that, that you will do or will become. Jesus loves you. And your life is rooted there. As an individual and our life as a collective is rooted there. Grounded. He's basically saying the same thing, just a different word. Grounded means to make stable, to lay the foundation. The love of Jesus makes you stable. Is somebody in your world crazy? Unstable? My response typically to that is to move away from that person. The love of Jesus brings stability. If, if love is really conditional, is really unconditional, it's got nothing to do with the love E and everything to do with the love er. Husbands, this is a perfect way for you to rise up and be who Jesus has called you to be. Love your wife this way. It's got nothing to do with whether or not she's doing what you want her to do. Love her. And the the beautiful picture that Christ intends for the marriage is is the, the response of someone loved in such a way is to give their life away. And then we take that into our cultures and our lives and stop being so stinking judgmental and instead love people the way that Christ has loved you. Verse 18 Paul continuing to pray about love that we might know. We may have the strength to comprehend, and that word comprehend just means to to lay hold of the completeness. We may have the strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth. That we may know the fullness of the love of Christ. Do you, like, this is incredible. Um, I want to I want to show you something here. This is, um, by the way, this is, is showing to you that I love you because um, I'm not an artist and I'm not good at it, but I, I, cre- I did this. Um, and, and to show this to you, this is like, this is personal for me. So th- to show this to you is, I hope you see the security that I, I place in you. All right. And This is what I want you to to see about that in this context, to see the totality of a love of Jesus and and to see, like, let's look at this verse. May have the strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth. All of those words require an incredible amount of perspective. Like when you guys are, are looking at this piece of art that I worked on, 
from this perspective, but you don't see the fullness of it. You don't see what was going on in my brain to, when, to, to do what I did. You don't see this part of it. And I want you to see this. Like, you remember back there, there was, um, you guys wrote stuff about who God is. And you wrote it on a canvas that looked just like this. And I cut those things out and then sliced with a, a rusty tool of some kind, a, a hole right through here. And then glued it together using what we, our collective, envisioned or how we had engaged a personal trait of God. So this is us. And, and we, we, form, we get to form together the bond that's holding this together. But if you only see this, I think the, the real beauty of, of what this is trying to say about God and his love and his sacrifice is here. What if we've been seeing the love of Jesus like this? But God is trying to get us to move to a different perspective, to see his love in a new way, in a fresh way, something that we've never even considered. I think that this is beautiful. Look at, I'm going to put this up backwards on purpose, or maybe that's forwards, I don't know. Um, Verse 18, Paul's prayer for the church in Ephesus and by extension for us as individuals and as a collective that we might be given whatever is necessary by Jesus that we might be able to, to encapsulate as best we can and with our limited faculties. The entirety of the perspectives of this incredible love of Jesus. And here, here's the thing, with, especially with, with art, this, this illustration is going even further, especially with art, as we engage with art, we don't fully understand what the artist had in mind when he created it. And maybe you go to a place that the artist didn't even intend for you to go, to see that perspective of what he's trying to show, right? But, but think about this, that, that Paul has, has given us this opportunity to come and engage with the love of Jesus. And I could try my best to, to be eloquent. And if you want eloquence, there, there's plenty of other churches that have more eloquent pastors. But what, what I want from us here is to see, like, I'm putting this in front of you, that Paul's prayer for you and, and my prayer for you this, this week, and especially today, is that you would know that Jesus loves you. And then now it's your job, just like it's anyone who engages with any piece of art, it's their job to engage with what this piece of art is and allow it to speak. Now it's your job to engage with the beauty of the love of Jesus and how it compels and sacrifices and gives and and satisfies. 
Now it's your job to go and do that personally, individually. And then maybe this week get in a community group and do it like collectively. But the beautiful part is we can continually forever and ever engage with how incredible it is that we would truly be loved unconditionally by the creator of the universe. Um, It makes my heart want to sing. I want to read a few passages of scripture that begin to help us to understand, encapsulate this love of Jesus. Hit, um, hit that next one. John fifteen thirteen. This is Jesus speaking about love. Greater love has no one than this, than someone lay down his life for his friends. One of the perspectives that you can have from reading scripture about the love of Jesus is that Jesus loved you so much that he laid his life down for you, and then he commands you to love others the same way. This is what love is. Ephesians 2, 4 through 5. We talked about this a few weeks ago. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he has loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ, by grace you have been saved. The love of Jesus is this, that it doesn't matter who you are. While we were dead and enemies, Jesus loved us. And the, again, the point of Jesus loving you is one, so you can feel love, but two, that it sends you out to love. It lights you up, compels you to go and love the same way. I promise you, someone who believes different than you this week made you really angry and made you want to scream. I promise you that happened to you. Let this speak to you about how Jesus loves you and how he's compelling you to love. Because it's been slapping me for a while. Romans 8, 1. There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. The love of Jesus means that he loves you without condemnation. Man, this shining a great mirror on my inability to love. But Jesus still loves me anyway. Romans 5, 8. But God shows us his love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. We've already talked about that, the obvious piece of what this means. But that word shows is maybe my favorite Greek word. It's sunisteao, and it means to place within the reach. So a perspective that we have of the love of God is that what Jesus has done has brought something that you couldn't engage with to a place where you can engage with it. Isn't that incredible? Hit the next one. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. Christ's love is compelling you. Next one. That may be it. Is that it? Yeah. Next verse in our um, text for the morning is 19. And to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with the fullness of God. 
This is, um, this is an incredible thing. Uh, Don Carson says this about this verse. To know what surpasses knowledge is the divine privilege of the Christian. To know what surpasses knowledge. Like this is, this verse, go, go back to that, that verse if you could. This verse is, is counterintuitive, right? He's praying that you would know what you can know. And that's the beauty of Christ. Again, Romans 5, 8, God has, has shown, has brought you to a place you can interact with his love. And I think what this is getting at is that be, the, the power of the Holy Spirit that lives within us, it can give us new perspectives that will never, ever come to the place where, where we understand the fullness of it. Isn't it, like, I think about this, um, a good meal. Think about a, a, the best meal you've had in a long time. And, and think about that meal, like the first bite, the second bite, like, or, or maybe, maybe you like a, a particular dish. Think about that dish, like a, a cupcake. You ate a cupcake, you ate a cookie, you ate a piece of pie, something. Eventually, the plate is empty. With the love of Jesus, that plate's never going to be empty. And I think that's what he's getting at. The divine, as go, go to the quote, that what Don Carson says, to know what surpasses knowledge is the divine privilege of the Christian. The divine privilege of you having been loved by Jesus is that you get to be loved by Jesus. That's, that's incredible. Verse 20 and 21, real quick, we're almost done. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think. Like all of these things about love and how he's calling us to love and, and, and calling us to engage with Jesus and, and his love in such a way that it compels us to love. And then we, we recognize our failures in that and, and all, all the, the stuff that just like exhaust on itself about loving Jesus, that we fail at it and, and we, we try and we fail and we try and we, we engage and it's this big cycle. Paul ends his prayer with this, now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think. Like, God can give you and will give you and wants to give you this opportunity to engage with his love in such a way that it satisfies you and then compels you and changes you. Verse 21, to him be the glory in the church. I love, Josh, that you sang the song, let the passion of the church be the glory of our name, of your name. Let the righteousness of God be a holy flame that burns. Let the saving love of Christ be the measure of our lives. Like, that's straight out of this verse. Straight out of this phrase. Let the saving love of Christ be the measure of my life. Let the saving love of Christ be the measure of your life. How do you measure your life? By what you're doing, how you're doing, whatever. Let the saving love of Christ that has nothing to do with you be the measure of your life 
and our collective life. Throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Let's pray. And let's engage with our God. God, thank you so much for Jesus. God, thank you for the perfect way that he loves us. The perfect way that he showed us what love is. God, guide each of us as we engage with you in these few moments. But more than that, guide each of us as we engage with you throughout the course of our lives and this week. God, may we know what is unknowable because you are good. May we know your love. Thank you for Jesus. It's in his perfect name I pray. Amen.